Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to t- I'm going to teach on James, the son of Zebedee. But first I wa- want to start by um, uh, letting you know that there is a need to understand that there are three different Jameses. You have the James, son of Alphaeus, also one of the twelve apostles. He is found in Matthew 10, 3 and 4, where the 12 are listed there, the 12 apostles. He's called James the Less in Mark 15, 40. And he had a brother named Jose, and his mother's name was Mary. You then have James the son of Joseph and Mary, found in Matthew 13, 55, uh, 55 and uh, 56, which also makes him Jesus' brother. This James rejects Jesus' teaching, uh, Jesus' teaching, but later comes to believe that his brother, Jesus, is the Messiah. And thirdly, we have James, the son of Zebedee, who we'll be learning about tonight. Well, who was his parents? Well, Zebedee and Salome. And I learned that that's not Salami, just so you know. Uh, Salome was one of the women present at Jesus' crucifixion. It may be the Salome that went to anoint Jesus' body at the tomb. Where was James from? Like his brother John, James came from a fishing, uh, a fishing village along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He worked with his father and with Peter as a fisherman, found in Matthew 4.21. Let's turn there. That's Matthew 4, verse 21. So verse 21 is, going from, from there, he, Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. And James says, no way, I have this net to fix and fish to catch, and I am not going anywhere. Well, he didn't say that. Let's read verse 22. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Talking about James, what do you think this says about him? Would you just drop everything or had dropped everything? Leave everything behind for just anyone. 
I know I wouldn't, unless I knew the person very well. And knew who was speaking. For James was, his desire to serve his Lord outweighed anything and everything of this world. Question. The Lord may not ask us to leave everything behind, but are we or do we place him at the highest priority in our lives? Is he number one? You know, in, in my home, us as parents, we encourage our kids to get involved in things at school and activities. But we have, we have a rule. Sunday mornings belongs to the Lord. And I think it's, that's, that's important. I'm not saying we can never miss Sunday, but we shouldn't be putting anything ahead of coming to church on a regular basis. We as parents should be leading by example. So what was James's personality like? Well, let's turn to Mark 3, verse 17. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. How would you describe thunder? If you were to describe it in your own words. I think when I see thunder in the sky or lightning in the sky, to me, it's very dramatic. It goes in all different directions. It strikes in an instant, and it makes a loud noise. As we continue to get to know James, we will see the parallels of why he was nicknamed that, and his brother. For one, James was one of the apostles who sought power and authority above the others, which Jesus reproached him for. This is found in Mark 10, verses 35 through 40. You can turn, turn with me there. That's Mark 10, 35 through 40. Then Jesus, I mean, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Pretty bold statement. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those 
for whom it is prepared. Now to understand something, the cup was symbolic. Drinking the cup meant to accept whatever that cup represented. And James and John did not take the cue from Jesus that they may have, have to drink more than they can swallow. And you noticed they answered immediately. Before they realized what Christ's cup contained. I think this can also apply to us as well. We should be listening to what the Lord may be trying to say to us. If not, it may cause us to go in a completely different direction than where he wanted us to go. We may just sit and do nothing when he wants us to move. And it's important to really seek. If you've been a Christian for a while, it's important that you really seek where God wants you to be. You should be serving. So they try to get the rights to sit next to Jesus. But Jesus lets them down gently, as Jesus is. And the others ignore it, and they move on, or do they? Let's continue reading. Uh, Continue in verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So the others are actually not happy with them. Would have you been? <laughs> I know it would have probably annoyed me. You know, thinking... Who who are you to get in front of the line? But I like the way Jesus turns it to teach them all something. And it's a good reminder for us, especially for us who are serving and for us who are leaders. To begin with, if we've been a Christian for a bit, as I said, you should be serving. And if we are serving, it's not about that others need to know how much I do. How much I sacrifice. Or I need to serve somewhere where everyone can see me serving. It's not about that. It's about serving the Lord who loves you, who sacrificed for you, who gave himself up for you. Because 
That is the world's way of thinking. This especially pertains to leaders. Just because we may be leading doesn't mean we should not get our hands dirty. A good leader leads by example. But this also reminds me of something else. We should be serving not only because this is what our Father in Heaven desires for us. It's something which should flow naturally. Remembering the love Jesus showed and continues to show us each and every day. And what we were saved from. And I'm sure each and every one of you have have your own story. If you were to continue down that road where you might be today. If we do that, how would that not cause us to want to serve our Lord? Something to really think about. Let's continue with more about James. James also was not above making mistakes. So let's turn to Luke 9, verses 51 through 56. Again, that's Luke 9, verses 51 through 56. Starting with verse 51. Now it came to pass... When the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. And as, he's, as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to, to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? Boneheads. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he went to another village. In their passion, they overreacted. Sure, they meant good. They meant well. But again, Jesus rebukes them. A question. I wonder how often we might overreact in a situation. Quick to punish rather than using loving discipline for a particular person or people as Jesus did and commands us as Christians to do. I'm sure you can remember people that you were probably very judgmental. How can you do this? Who do you think you are? But you have to understand something that they're still blind. That we were once living in sin day in and day out before God saved us from it. If you can remember where you came from, 
Just remember where they're going if they don't change. And have more passion for them. And I'm not, not saying it's easy, but God doesn't command us anything that he does, does not give us the strength to do. I've had my challenging people, believe me. You can ask my wife, especially at work. God has taught me a lot through that. And if you could just remember again where you've come from, have more compassion for those people. You'd be surprised how God will use you to win them over to for him. Turn with me to Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Again, that's Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Starting with verse 43. You have heard that it, it, it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He has the same love for each and every one of us, saved and not saved. And that's a command from our Lord. If you are a Christian, it is a command from him. So let's continue learning more about James. Even though James did not always make good decisions, Jesus allowed him to witness some amazing things. And what did he witness? Well, Three times, James, John, and Peter were invited by Jesus to witness events no one else got to see. The first one, the raising of the daughter of Jairus from the dead, found in Mark 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark 5, verse 37 through 43. So if you want to turn there, Mark 5 verse 37 through 43. Starting with verse 37. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, which I picture him going, All right, now get out. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand 
and said to her, Talithia Kuma, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. Don't know about you, but seeing something like that, number one, would have blown my mind. But you think it would strengthen your faith? I think so. You know, James also witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. And that's found in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5. Again, that's Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5. Starting with verse 17. I'm sorry. One. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright light, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. First thing that came to mind was like, wow. Again, you think this would strengthen one's faith to see something like that? I'm sure it did. Just take a minute to think about it. God. You get the witness God, the Almighty himself, saying, I am well pleased with his son. I can't imagine. I wonder if he would be able to say that about you or I right now. If he was well pleased with us. When I was reading this, it made me think, too, of how much grace and mercy our Lord shows us each and every day. How many times I sin in a day, in a week, in a year, but yet he never stops loving me, and he doesn't stop loving you. Regardless 
how wretched you think you are. Guess what? You are. Compared to Jesus Christ. We are all wretched. And we all fall short of the glory of God. But you don't have to stay there. You're going to constantly, you're going to sin. But it's not a license. We don't have a license as Christians to sin. That doesn't give us that license. But God does give us a way out. I kind of veered off my thing here, but amen. Uh, now if I find where I was. Oh, there we are. Again now, James also witnesses Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane which is found in Matthew 26, verses 36 and 37. Again, that's Matthew 26, verse 36 and 37. Starting with 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. If you were to continue reading, you will see that Jesus returns three times. <laughs> and they're, fine, they're found sleeping. It just goes to show you that no one is perfect. Believe it or not, not even me. I truly believe that there is nothing that God would allow in our life which doesn't benefit us somehow. And I'm not just saying, I'm not speaking of all the good things too. I'm speaking of all the trials and tribulations also. I know in those times that I grew the most. Again, I don't pray for them. But I'm thankful for them. And I finally came to realize what God means by being thankful in all things. So I truly believe that there is nothing that God would allow in our life which doesn't benefit us somehow, either in a way of a blessing, in blessing us, or used to bless others through us, or to help us grow somehow, some way. I believe God always has a reason. And there may be times we may not understand the why. But it's at those times we need to remember the who. Who controls all things? Who loves us? And who wants the best for us? If we can remember that and make those times a bit more peaceful, 
And that's that peace that surpasses all understanding. It can only be done through Jesus Christ. So let's review. We see a man called by Jesus who immediately obeys and follows him. And by obeying, James is blessed beyond imagination. You know, he, he got to travel, he got to serve, and teach with Jesus himself. That must have been amazing. He got to witness things he would have never gotten to witness if he had said no. And it was not without making mistakes along the way. He made plenty of those. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's not a matter of if but it's a matter of when we make mistakes and how we respond to them. That's what's important. Because we are going to make mistakes. Don't be surprised. My wife's used to me doing it. And ask God, ask him, pray. Get on your knees. If you have to cry, cry. But ask him, what he wants you to learn through those times. When you make those mistakes, ask him what it is that you need to learn through them. Ask him to show you humility. Lastly, turn with me to Acts 12, 1 and 2. Again, that's Acts 12, verses 1 and 2. Starting with verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So James is killed with the sword by Herod. But what a life James lived. He got to serve with Jesus Christ. What a that'd be great on a resume. He got to see things most never got to see. And today he is in heaven with Jesus. And why? Because he said yes when he was called by Jesus Christ. He said yes. He didn't say, hmm, I have something to do. How about after this? He immediately picked up his things and served him. If God is asking you to do something, 
to serve somewhere. Maybe even go somewhere else to serve, to bless others. Be obedient. Be obedient to what he wants. Say yes. And look at what James would have missed out on if he would have said no. So do not miss out on what he has in store for each and every one of your lives. Because he has a plan for you. He has a plan for each and every one of us. You don't want to miss out on it. I know I don't. So let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.